Okay, we're live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest. Her name is Dana Lyon, and an old guest reached out to me, uh, Dennis Hall, and said she had a story to tell about what's going on in the military right now, specifically the U.S. Air Force, and what's happening to uh, members and the situation with the mandates of this genetic therapy shot. But she can talk more about that. So Dana Lyon, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, sir. I appreciate it. Awesome. So for people may not have heard your story or what's going on right now in the military in general or the U.S. Air Force, can you kind of talk about your background and then what happened with the advent of the pandemic? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm a 2006 grad from the United States Air Force Academy. Uh, I went there to play basketball. Uh, however, I walked on the track and field team, was introduced to the javelin throw and uh, ended up being a two-time national champion. Um, after graduation, I went to the world-class athlete program and I uh, was a U.S. champion, uh, second at the Olympic trials in 2008. So two inches too short to make the Olympic team, uh, not in height, even though that was a basketball situation. But uh, I missed the Olympic standard uh, just by a little bit. Um, and so after I finished my, my time as a world-class athlete uh, javelin thrower, I went into the uh, active duty Air Force as an acquisitions officer. So I worked in the A-10s at Air, uh, Hill Air Force Base in Ogden, Utah, and then uh, was reassigned back to Colorado Springs, so did another tour of Debbie Cap, blew up my knee, it's a whole long, another story, but basically retired from track and field in 2012, went back into acquisitions, worked as a, um, uh, an acquisitions officer with the military satellite communications. Um, we reported to Los Angeles uh, Air Force Base, uh, but based out of Peterson. And um, in 2009, I got married to my husband, David Lyon, who was also on the track and field team. He was a, an Air Force logistics readiness officer uh, and was, uh, was primed to uh, go into uh, a branch of the special forces. It was the air liaison officer working with the TACPs, uh, the JTACs, where they basically call on airstrikes. Uh, he made it through selection, uh, ultimately got a discharge or was removed from the program based on a medical situation after selection before he went to the pipeline. And so um, he basically said, hey, uh, you know, we, we talked about this after I was done with the, the, the javelin or, you know, the, the athletic career part. And he said, hey, I, I really feel like I need to lead by example. You know, I'm, I'm working in the installation deployment readiness center at, at Peterson Air Force Base. I watch people on a daily basis uh, have to say goodbye to their families. And, you know, uh, after having not gotten picked up or, you know, not being able to finish the pipeline, I just really feel like I want to go do my part. And uh, so he volunteered for a 365 or a year long deployment to Afghanistan, where he was working with the um, uh, command joint Spe special operations task force as a logistics officer support there. And uh, he was based out of uh, Camp Moorhead, uh, just outside of Kabul. Well, as an acquisitions officer, um, it, it wasn't normal for us to get deployed, but we were overseeing um, the programs that we had for base life support for the military operations. And so I actually ended up deploying at the same time or went over there at the same time. And so um, that deployment was cut rapidly uh, short in a moment's uh, happenings, if you will, um, on December 27, 2013. Um, my husband was leaving Kabul uh, or leaving Camp Phoenix, where I was based out of. I was actually at Bagram at the time of this, and um, he was hit by a, a V-bid. And so he was um, killed in action. Um, and, uh, yeah, so uh, I brought him home in a C-17 with a flag jerk casket. And uh, we had his dignified arrival in D.C., or excuse me, in Dover. Had a number of um, family members, teammates. Um, the USO did a uh, phenomenal job in welcoming his home in the Center for the Family of the Fallen. And uh, then we brought him back to Colorado Springs and laid him to rest at the, uh, the Air Force Academy's uh, cemetery. 
where we both had graduated from. And so um, at that time, uh, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life and in the Air Force. Um, and so a couple of members from the Air Force Athletic Department had reached out. And actually, one of them at the reception following the memorial service or the graveside um, said, Dana, why don't you just come back and, and coach with us? You know, we'll put you somewhere in the, in the PE department. And uh, I was a bit reluctant there at the moment just because I didn't know <laughs> what I wanted to do. Uh, I knew that my world had uh, just completely been flipped upside down. And so kind of took them at their word and said, you know what, like, I think I can do sport and I think I can, um, you know, be around athletics in my grief. And so I immediately, uh, I think it was, well, I shouldn't say immediately, but three months later, um, ended up going to the Air Force Academy and I started out um, just working in the, uh, the PE department. And then uh, as a result of sequestration, they were down some um, strength conditioning coaches. And so they said, hey, Dana, do you want to be a strength conditioning coach? As an active duty officer, um, I hadn't really thought about a coaching career. And so I said, I don't know if I'm ready, but um, they said, well, we'll get you ready. And so I went and, and studied and uh, became certified as a strength conditioning uh, certified coach. Um, so I was coaching strength conditioning for the track and field programs, both men and women, cross country, men and women, and then also the women's soccer team, eventually the women's basketball team. And so uh, after three years of doing that, the Air Force came to me and said, you've had three years, it's enough time for you to have, have grieved. And so you need to get back into the acquisition world. I said, thanks, but no thanks. And uh, the head and track and field coach said, but Dana, why don't you come be uh, our javelin coach? You know, you were, you're in a hall of fame, you're a two-time national champion, and um, we want to bring you into the family. And so I took a 60% pay cut from being an active duty major. I got out of the Air Force at 11 years and three months and started working for uh, as a civilian for the track and field team for the last five years, essentially, uh, or almost five years. And so uh, basically fast forward now to uh, kind of the, the, the COVID scandemic that we've had going on. And that's um, all in Colorado Springs, right? Started yes, sir. I've okay. been in Colorado Springs yep, since 2012, essentially. Gotcha. Um, and mm -hmm. so Dave was killed in December 2013. And I've been at the Air Force Academy since uh, the, the late spring of 2014. Um, Sorry to interrupt. And, no, and you're so good. Bring, bring it up to the scandemic. Yeah. So here we are. Um, it was uh, this past fall. Um, of course, the the debacle and, and uh, abandonment of Afghanistan kind of started my year off. Um, after I got back from the Olympics, I was an Olympic coach there, um, coaching our former American record holder in the Javelin um, in Tokyo. Came back and... Um, I think we were just kind of faced right off the bat with the, you know, the abandonment from Afghanistan. So it kind of started my year off of quite the spiral. Um, of course, I wanted to go recruit some kids because um, I had been named the throws coach for the last three years. So I was coaching shot put, discus, javelin, and hammer. And uh, when I go out and recruit, they said, oh, you, you can't uh, recruit because you don't have the vaccine. Um, and, and I can't call it a vaccine. It's not a vaccine. Um, it's a shot. It's gene therapy. Yeah, it's a shot. Absolutely. It's a shot. Um, and so we'll, we'll just call it in, in air quotes a vaccine. And so I said, they said I wasn't fully vaccinated. And so per the Department of Defense policy, I wasn't allowed to travel. And so therefore I couldn't go do any off-base recruiting. Uh, still managed to sign the number six and number seven uh, kids in the country in the discus. Um, and so they actually just finished up basic training and had acceptance day today here at the Air Force Academy. But um, Sorry to interrupt, but what made you hesitant about the, this program or mandate? Yeah, so a number of things. Um, for one, first and foremost, um, I profess my faith uh, as, a, as a follower of Jesus Christ. Um, he's my Lord and Savior. And um, I know um, that we are, we are made and created in his image. And uh, for two reasons, uh, predominantly, I, I submitted a, a religious request uh, or a religious exemption, which I was reluctant, to be honest, to have to submit that. Um, I felt like 
Uh, my husband gave my life from freedom for my life, um, for me to be able to choose what um, I put in my body. It's something that you can't undo. Um, but uh, on the religious side of the argument, if you will, on the exemption, I specifically wrote that we are made in the image of God. Um, and so I believe that comes from, um, and it starts at conception. And so as a strong pro-lifer and to understand, um, you know, this caused a lot of research to be done about uh, kind of the origins, the makings of this, this shot or this, this vaccine. Um, and then I know that in the, in the testing um, and the development, um, maybe not necessarily specifically within the actual shot that we get, that it was developed by using um, child sacrifice or what some people like to call uh, fetal tissue. And so uh, that for me was something that I personally um, could not um, knowingly benefit from um, an abortion, um, a child sacrifice. And number two, because um, it is gene therapy um, and because we are made in the image of Christ, um, I didn't want to put something in my body that altered the way that Jesus made me, um, that God made me and formed me. And so um, I took that stance. I wrote up a religious exemption um, and, and, and was basically forced to submit one by November 9th of this past year. So that's kind of where we're at um, or where I was at at the end of the year. I actually did contract COVID right after Thanksgiving. Um, it was mild. Um, I, more than anything, I coughed a lot just because um, I've had a number of bronchiospasms and some um, some difficulty with some uh, sinus infections in the past. And so um, that was pretty much it. I think uh, I took a lot of ivermectin, uh, vitamin C, vitamin D and zinc, um, just kind of did the homeopathic protocol uh, to just uh, get back to wellness. Played That's a lot what of I golf. Did. And... I did the same thing. <laughs> I, got in, I took ivermectin and I got a prescription through an online medical doctor and picked it up at the local pharmacy. But uh, yeah, I took I, the straight, I took the straight horse worm medicine. That's exactly what That's I did. Right. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, there's so much disinformation and misinformation and intentional. This whole thing was really an incredible exercise in public propaganda and no, manipulation absolutely. by, by the big tech pharma with the complicity of the government and the media. So it's really been incredible. I think your take is a little different. Like you had a religious view. I was just, I was, I didn't take it because I was suspicious about the science, especially if somebody has to have an emergency use authorization that allows them to be as a, an attorney where you're not liable. Like that's a <laughs> massive red flag. Like that's right. a red flag you can see from the other side of the universe. Like, Right. You're not willing to put it out there and take any responsibility for it. Wow. But your right. approach is different. Well, I, the, I had those same things, but I was I was strongly advised not to mention any question of the science or the, pro, you know, address the propaganda. And, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, I took shots when I was in the military. There wasn't near as much, um, I guess, pop and circumstances, not near as much scrutiny, near as much uh, political agenda behind most of the normal, you know, flu shots or the other ones. And when I got vaccinated, and, and I was vaccinated when I was in the military, I got vaccinated so I didn't get sick, not because I needed to do the right thing, right? I'm not a threat to society. I'm not a threat to the Air Force Academy. I was a threat to authority by not taking the shot. So um, I had to kind of really direct my exemption request based on my religious beliefs, which I, I stand behind them uh, solidly. But if I had, so if I had to come down to one, it would be the religious background. But at the same time, man, oh man, uh, the science the science or science has shown that this, uh, this, the effect of this uh, is remarkable um, as far as people's um, right adverse effects that they've had. I mean, you have pro athletes that are in the best shape of their lives dropping dead on soccer fields, right? Or dropping dead here, there, or anywhere. Um, I fear for the athletes that I have I've known and loved and recruited 
and uh, just support a mentor. I pray to God they got the placebo shot that was filled with saline. I mean, I pray that every flip and night just to make sure like I care a lot about them and some of them just want to do the right thing and they want to serve their country. So that's, that's right. where I said it's a roll of the dice, right? I mean, certain batches are worse than the others. What I, my understanding was, well, because, because it's not a true vaccine. It's whatever they could have thrown in there. I mean, it was just, a, it's a compliant shot. That's, that's my opinion. It's just a compliant shot. We keep hitting you with the same phrase, safe and effective. I saw Walensky restate that and it's not safe and it's not effective. The effectivity, I mean, they're finding out in these studies that it's not effective at all. Probably right. what's more effective is getting it and, and coming through the other side. Oh, absolutely. So you well, the promise out... that Biden, Biden looks at us in the eye and he says, you will not get sick. You will not be hospitalized and you will not die. And if you get the shot, you can't spread it. I know for a fact the four people that I was around Thanksgiving had just recently got the shot. They all tested positive, And here I am, the one that got it from them. You, wow. you can't make this stuff up. I love them. I don't really care. To be honest, I, I was people, I thankful I got it. Got, right. I know people <laughs> who've gotten the shot as well and got COVID. So oh, it wasn't an effective. It. Yeah. Well, Biden keeps having his rebounds, right? Right. Well, he took Pavloxid or whatever, the recommended thing from Pfizer. Like if Pfizer's already selling you something shady, you don't go back to the shady pharmaceutical company for the solution either. So Follow that Pavloxid thing is a total waste. I, I didn't have, did you have any side effects from ivermectin at all? Did you sense anything? No side effects from ivermectin at all. Mm -mm. No, and I lost my smell and taste before I started taking that stuff. So maybe I should have started I taking it too. early. I don't know. It's coming I should back. just take it as a preventative. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't feel like it would it cause any problems for me. You had the religious exemption. How did the military mm -hmm. respond to that? They have yet to respond to that. We're sitting at August 4th right now. So uh, almost what is that? 10 months, nine months, nine months, nine months out. I don't so, know, do the math. I still so not you, they've not word. responded to the religious exemption and they are de de kicking you out of the military of uh, the air force. Is that right? Or what? What's yeah, the status? That's, that's exactly right. So on 13 January, I, I think it was 13 January. Uh, I was called into a meeting with my immediate supervisor, which was the head coach of the track and field team and uh, my sports supervisor and uh, the human capital management officer resource basically HR guy. Uh, and the HR guy essentially read me my rights and said, Hey, just so you know that your contract uh, is up for renewal. Uh, and if you don't, essentially he said, if you don't get the shot um, by 30 June, you will be terminated or you will not be renewed. And so I said, okay. I said, what about my religious exemption? And he went into this whole intimidation and coercion and essentially saying like, you still need to get the shot. It's not even going to, you know, it's not going to get approved. Nothing's getting approved on religious uh, grounds and stuff like that. And so I said, okay, noted, understood. Um, so I, I proceeded to go through all of indoor and outdoor season. If you know anything about division one track and field or division one coaching, uh, we got meets and, and competitions every week, every other week. Um, I proceeded since I was not allowed to travel with the track and field team uh, to take my own leave and spend my own money uh, in order for my kids to still have a coach present. And so um, my head coach asked the question, uh, you know, does anything pro prohibit Dana from doing this? And they said, well, no, we can't tell her what she can and can't do on her time. But they tried to tell me that, uh, well, she can't coach if she's there. She needs to sit in the stands. Well, I sat in the stands, but at the same time, um, I, I, I gave technical encouragement, if you will. Um, if I'm still coaching and trying to teach something at a meet, then I haven't done my job. Um, but my kids went on to – one young man uh, won an individual conference title, set a school record. Um, he's number two all-time in the hammer. Another uh, young man, I think he's number two all-time in the javelin. He's also got the freshman record. Um, so we had um, massive impacts on, um, on the performance, uh, you know, the performance history books. Um, and then we, as a strength conditioning coach for the entire track and field team, 
uh, which I, by the way, am the only sport coach that is also the strength and conditioning coach for their sport. Um, we're the only sport that's not supported by sport, uh, the sports medicine. Um, we, uh, we were conference champions in cross country, indoor and outdoor. So I coached all those athletes where we won what we call the triple crown, which we haven't done in five years. And so uh, fast forward, I qualified three individuals uh, to uh, NCAA first rounds. And so when I got back from that trip, which again, I paid for on my own, um, I think I ended up spending somewhere to the tune of between five and $6,000 between my own flights, either driving to the meet and, and fuel costs, um, but then also hotels, rental cars, and, and you name it. So uh, I, I finished up the season on, I think it was May 28th, and uh, was called into the office, uh, same office, same meeting. However, um, tragically and unfortunately, our head coach, Coach Ralph Lindemann, uh, who's you know the patriarch of track and field of the Air Force Academy, been there for 33 years, uh, passed away uh, unexpectedly on March 6th. And so he's the one that had my back. He had my support. You know, if I caused any problems in the department, it's because I wasn't vaccinated. He went to bat for me. And so um, I was called in the office the day after Memorial Day, which, you know, after Memorial Day or during Memorial Day or even on the 27th of December, I used to get phone calls from, you know, the administration uh, at the Air Force Academy or in the athletic department. I used to even get calls from General Goldfein um, and, uh, and, and folks in D.C. and just said, hey, Dana, thank you so much for Dave's sacrifice. You know, we won't forget. We honor and remember you. Instead, on the 31st of May, I was called into, once again, the sports supervisor's office with human capital management uh, representative and the interim head coach. Um, and was, it was about a minute and a half meeting. And so Dana, this meeting is to notify you that uh, we will not be renewing your contract um, and your contract term ends on 30 June. They said that this is no cause and the program's going in a different direction. It's interesting how the program can go in a different direction from a two-time national champion coach, Olympic level coach. I'm in their hall of fame. Uh, and we had three conference championship titles that year. Um, but then the termination letter um, specifically stated that this was non-disciplinary and not personal. I said, okay. I said, do you have any questions? I said, nope. Um, can I please get a copy of this letter? And so uh, they hand me the letter and they said, hey, we, Dana, we just want to thank you for you know, all that you've done for this program. I said, please. I just kind of stopped him right there. Like, I don't need to be patronized. I said, well, that'd be all. And they said, that was it. And I walked out. And over the next couple of days, I, I was really chewing on what was going on. And obviously, it just feels like a massive amount of betrayal um, from the institution that, you know, for the better part of 20 years, I've given, you know, my life and my time and my heart and soul. And I've executed with excellence. Um, my mission and my duty to train and develop leaders of character through sport, through track and field, um, you know, on and off the field. I've been mentoring cadets. Um, the, the map behind me here, uh, I've commissioned personally 20, 25 young men and women that have come through our program. I've taught in PE class or just mentored um, as a commander. And so um, it, it, it just, it rocked me. And I started sitting here thinking, I said, do you mean to tell me um, that I'm going to, so my termination date was 30 June. You mean to tell me, and I, I wrote this, I was introduced to a lawyer throughout this process, uh, to Mike Rose, and I said, you mean to tell me that um, I'm two months shy of being eligible for 20 years worth of retirement benefits because of this termination date of 30 June. So um, essentially, you have to serve five years as a government civilian um, in order to be eligible for any type of retirement benefits. And like I said, I got out after 11 years of active duty, but I bought that time back. Well, that time doesn't count until you serve five years as a civil servant. And I was trying to buy my four years back as a cadet. So um, I've essentially spent 20 years or would have spent 20 years of service here Air Force Academy with nothing to show for it, except my husband's death certificate. And so <laughs> uh, I reached out to this lawyer and I essentially, you know, or he reached out to me initially, I, I gave him this response and uh, he called me immediately. He said, Dana, he's like, there, there's absolutely, you have absolutely every reason to believe that the basis and the premise of this termination has to do with you not getting the shot. Um, your performance speaks for itself. 
And, um, and so he said, but look, we need to get your two more months. So you get eligibility for that 20 years of retirement. So uh, he had me write a letter to them. So I wrote them a letter, went and cleaned in my office. And then I hand delivered the letter on June 8th. And uh, basically he just said, Hey, um, I was, you know, notified this termination. It leaves me too much shy. Can I please have two more months just so I can get that five years and then be eligible worth of, you know, for 20 years worth of retirement benefits. And so um, they called me, uh, the executive director of athletics called me and she said, Oh, we're so sorry. We didn't, we weren't tracking that. We didn't realize that, you know, that left you too much shy. So of course, yeah, we'll give you the two months. If I learned anything when I was in the military, I learned two things. One, take care of your people as a leader. <laughs> so perhaps they, they, they should have known whether they did know, I don't know, but they gave me my two months back. Um, and the second thing that I learned was uh, our, our core values of integrity first, service before self and excellence in all we do. And so a uh, piece of integrity, uh, they, they also sent an email now to the fact uh, that said, Hey, we're going to give you your two months. Sorry about that. Um, but to be clear, your termination was based on your job performance. <laughs> and at that point I called Mike Rose and I said, sir, I said, you won't believe this. Um, first, the, the first letter said non-disciplinary, not personal. We're going in a different direction. Uh, and the second time they came back and said, Oh, we'll give you your two months. But, um, by the way, this is based on your job performance. Um, and if you go back and look at my performance reports, uh, prior to my, my most recent sports supervisor, everything was outstanding. There was paragraphs specifically stating things that I'd done. Um, they didn't actually write a performance appra uh, appraisal until three weeks after the termination letter, um, which still stated that I was fully successful. <laughs> so I didn't get the outstanding, but I still got a fully successful, but I was terminated for my job performance. So I'm not really sure which one. Um, but I think that, uh, that the audience can probably deduce for themselves, uh, really, if you just think about this whole story and situation, what's going on. Um, and so Did that's where you, I'm at. So you are technically, your employment is ending sometime this month, I take it. So at the end it of is. August, August 3rd, Third. so you're still employed. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. Um, yeah. Did you find other people in Colorado Springs were hesitant to, or did everybody feel forced to take it? Or what was the kind of situation amongst other people with the, uh, with the shop? Yeah, not just in Colorado Springs, but throughout our military, um, you know, basically by kind of going public on my story and situation, there's so many people that have reached out and said, Dana, good on you. Uh, you know, you had the courage to stand up. There's a lot of us that are fighting this. A um, couple of people from uh, uh, one, one young man was a 2018 grad from the track and field team. He's actually from Colorado Springs. I believe he's in the pilot pipeline. Um, not sure what he's flying. Um, but he said, yeah, I'm staring at getting kicked out and I'm about to move home with my parents uh, because I didn't get the shot. Another young man uh, is a 2014 grad, no, excuse me, 2009 grad um, that I went and met up with in Spokane when I was up doing a camp, uh, a javelin camp uh, in July. Uh, he's got three kids and his wife is uh, in her second bout of, of cancer. And she's uh, not sure she's quite terminal, but it's not looking promising. And so you're sitting here saying these people have legitimate reasons for standing up. Um, and then you talk to John Bowes. Uh, who knows personally, 700 pilots, they've all got this community. They've reached out and said, you're willing to affect our nation's readiness. So you want to make it an argument that you need to get this shot for your readiness to be able to go fight the next war. But at the same time, we'll be happy to kick you out if you don't get it. Is readiness the issue or is compliance the issue? And so it's, it's actually been remarkable. It's been incredibly encouraging. Uh, the number of people that have reached out and said, Dana, we're in the same boat. Or Dana, you know what? Um, I got the shot and I regret it for so many reasons. Um, you know, I know people that have the, you know, some side effects. Um, I know one that, uh, he's, he can't eat certain foods now and he literally, he's a pilot and he vomits profusely. Um, another one's whose wife is constantly, she's dependent constantly in the doctor's office 
uh, dealing with some neurological issues. And so um, thankfully, I don't know too many people that have had um, enough significant, uh, you know, effects of this, but there's been uh, a massive amount of support. And, and honestly, it, it's like God's pat on the back to say, Dana, thank you for standing for truth. And thank you for standing for the unborn. And thank you for standing for, um, you know, your, your religious rights and freedoms. And thank you for just doing the right thing. And so uh, I've gotten a lot of encouragement from that regard. I think that the amount of injuries is much higher than they're disclosing. I think they're really covering them up. I think VAERS is not accurate and the government's not doing its job. So I think it's uh, it's really a risk. It's definitely a risk to take that. So what's the status? Judge your status, but the military is kicking people out for not taking it. And I mean, to me, not getting allowing a religious exemption seems amazing to me. Like, right. But I think they haven't responded to wasn't it mid July that uh, there was a, a court uh, ruling in October, or excuse me, in Ohio, uh, that essentially said anybody in the military, active guard, reserve, and cadets that submitted a religious, you know, exemption um, is basically break, break, stop, cease and desist the the uh, the the, the dis- discharge uh, records on that. So we're winning some cases here and there. Um, obviously we won the, the, or not really necessarily winning, but at least they're being held up and they can't, uh, have further action. I actually got an email forwarded from, uh, someone at the air force Academy of the, you know, this new Ohio court ruling that says you can't kick people out that have a religious concern about this. And so, uh, it was really fun to, to watch the, the brass at the Academy say, Oh, like we got to take a time out on this one. It's, it's like, if we were to just have people, you know, the, the military used to be kind of off. Uh, in this institution that was that was ruled by the government or a part of the government, but it wasn't enmeshed in in the politics uh, of what's going on. And so we we've been for the last decade or so um, been shifting in the military with the tides of, of politics. And so gone are the days where uh, we simply got ready to to fight the war. We were in the war um, and and ready for the next engagement. Um, now we're all wrapped up in the propaganda of CRT and and you know gender issues and and you name it you see what china's doing they're getting ready uh you know overseas we are not prepared as a military uh to stand up because we're so consumed uh by following all these mandates and by getting aligned with all of these you know social justice you know propaganda wars um and so it's it's disheartening to see where our military has turned and it might just be all all for the same reason is not to be prepared. I mean, you can get in and you're going to have a bad day if you want to see some of the stuff behind Comoranti and some of the stuff goes back to China. Some of the shots are not, they're not made, they're not financed. They're, they're actually fine. There's Chinese connections, which gets really scary and disturbing. I yeah. Just the other day. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, what do you, what the, my ideal outcome do you want? Do you want to stay working there or are you ready to kind of um, at this point, I think it's a it's a blessing in disguise. Uh, I'm exhausted. Being a Division One coach is difficult. I think I've given uh, the better part of the last eight years of my life um, and coping mechanism, if you will, of, of you know, essentially a couple months after Dave passed away, I was pouring into cadets. And so uh, I want to I want to focus on me for once. Um, and and I don't mean that in a selfish uh, in, in a selfish term. I mean in the sense that. I want to go and spend some time. I have a trip to Israel. I'm really excited. I'm going with my parents to Israel in September. And I just want to spend some time uh, taking a sabbatical. You know, uh, there's a reason why military careers are 20 years long. I've, I've hit my 20 years, uh, if you will, even though not officially uh, in the uniform and 
uh, barely am squeaking out these 20, you know, the 20 years in this last couple of weeks. Um, but I need some time um, to heal spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, um, need some time to grieve. Um, I, 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 at this point, um, I, you know, you never say never, you can't, you know, make these ultimatums or anything like that. But I, I do not desire at this time to go back to work for the same current administration on the athletic department. Um, that's just my personal opinion, mainly because um, of, of what I've been through for the last nine months, just the bullying, the harassing, um, the, the ostracizing, you know, having to wear the mask when everybody else didn't have to wear it, even though I already had it um, and getting harassed, you know, about that. Um, I'm the only coach uh, in the athletic department to get the shot. There's also two, I believe, other individuals in the department um, that don't have the shot as well. And so they're kind of sitting watching my circumstances and seeing what's going to happen actually to Dana. Um, and so, you know, if they can get away with terminating uh, a gold star widow, uh, who's their two-time national champion, you know, most decorated uh, elite athlete in their hall of fame um, that the Academy has, has had, um, it, it'd probably be a shoe in uh, or a shoe out, if you will, to get rid of the other two individuals eventually. And so that's kind of the Academy's responsible. Dana's not the only unvaccinated one. And, you know, like I said, originally non-disciplinary, not personal. And then all of a sudden it was based on performance right, there's a real problem there i mean <laughs> objectively you speaking, talk to a lawyer yeah yeah uh, objectively speaking there's a i don't know we'll, we'll let your your audience and, and you decide there's a serious inconsistency and what advice would you have for somebody else going through the same situation as you like somebody Conti who, continue to stand you know a lot of people said like dana are you willing to die on this hill i said you know what if my husband was willing to give his life for the country for this for our country and our freedoms and our way of life in a country that I believe was found on Judeo-Christian, you know, you know, principles. And whether you're of that faith or not, the fact is that we uh, founded this country on these freedoms. And these freedoms continue to get taken away by fear and control and, and what have you. And so, um, yeah, absolutely. I was willing to, you know, quote, unquote, die on the hill. And, and, and if Dave was willing to give his life, I'm willing to, you know, fall on this order, die on this hill uh, to stand up for the freedoms. For a lot of people, you know, you've got these 18, 19, 20-year-old cadets. You know, they have the whole life to look forward to. And all they want to do is be in the military. All they want to do is fly. All they want to do is serve their country. And now because they won't get a shot, they don't get that opportunity. And then what are they left with? Right. All these private school, or excuse me, public schools and universities are saying, get the shot and you can't come back to school. And so I think it's worth it. And I think if enough people from the onslaught of all this even just said, let's just pump the brakes. Right. Let's just see what actually, you know, this vaccine is about. Let's see if it's actually necessary or can this virus run its course you're looking at our military that we go through physicals annually we we are in process you know going through this whole dobmer medical review board you've got some of the healthiest people in the world that are in our that our nation's military and you're going to put a gene therapy shot in them and you don't know what the one year five year ten year rest of the life effects are going to have on these kids and so i absolutely you know i told my kids i said i'm not going to shame you i'm not going to judge you you do what you need to do if you don't think it's a big deal, go for it. But for me, I'm going to stand because I know that there was five individuals, uh, you know, on our team that were that were very, very upset. I mean, they're grown men that were damn near in tears saying, coach, like, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? I'm, I'm a junior. Right. Or I have all of my life to look forward to this. Is, and, and they ended up getting the shot. And, and I just had to support them. And I said, I'm not getting this simply because I'm going to stand. And if I have to lose my job, I'm not going to go down as simply the sacrifice, you know, the quiet sacrificial lamb. Uh, and I think that's one reason why I'm not sure that I'd even be welcome back in the department uh, after this is said and done. But I think it's important uh, to have our voice and uh, and be able to um, to stand for a strong religiously held beliefs or 
just the autonomy of our body, right? right? It's my body, my choice in one regard, but we can't have my body, my choice in something that you don't know what the long-term effects are, right? You're looking for an immediate <clears throat> response on one you know, stance of that argument of my body, my choice, and then you can get on with your life. But now I can't have this my body, my choice and don't know what the rest of my life is going to look like. Absolutely. And so uh, what, what the rest of my life looks like, or at least in the, in the interim or, or the immediate, um, I'm going to get a camper. I'm going to go be the wandering widow. I'm going to go find uh, friends and faces and people to serve and love. Just come alongside them. Uh, you know, I'm a D1 coach. Uh, I've coached at, at all levels, high school, all the way through professional levels. Uh, go be a volunteer coach. I mean, I really, I have no desire uh, to be a slave to anything or anyone anymore. I want to go, go serve. Uh, spend a lot of time with my family. My family has been supporting me from, uh, 1500 miles away. They live in Kentucky and my brother's still in the air force is down in Oklahoma. And so I want to go spend time with my friends and my family. There's a lot of times I've had to say no for the last really 20 years, but specifically the last eight years of being a division one coach. Now I get the opportunity. Um, my nephew's calling saying, hey, Danny, you come to my cross country meet. I'll get in the car. I'll be right there. So I'm looking forward to opportunities like that. Freedom. Yeah. Especially yeah, after the coercion, like this oh, whole event for the last two years, propaganda, coercion, Lack of sovereignty. Yep. Mandate is really a kingly edict. It's not. Mm -hmm. It's just a pleasant. You know, <laughs> a mandate's not a law. Pardon me. A mandate's not a law. It's not a law. No, it's yeah. just it's a, it's a it's like something a king would do. You have to get this, or you're going to get consequences. So it's a it's a dictatorship is where we're at right now. With a swoop of a pen, you can tell anybody what they can and can't do. Look what's happened in in Canada, right? I mean, there's yeah. <laughs> it's really scary. Well, pull all my money out, and take some cash, right? But yeah, I'm looking no, forward to I mean, just see what God's got next for me. And I don't know what that looks like. And I'm really excited. And, and no, I don't want to go coach at the Division One level again, uh, namely because of, of uh, look what's happening to women's sports, you know, not to bring up all these right. you know, issues, but, Oof. you know, transgender is, is pervasive or at least like the, the commentary on it. So this year that we celebrate 50 years of Title IX, we also can't define a woman and we can't figure out right. how to make it fair for women. The whole point of the last 50 years Right. Was free equality for women. And now look where we're at. It's actually the opposite of equality. A lot of those a lot of those guys are they're obviously not women. I'm sorry. It's just no, they're guys. Like you can't just I keep won't even telling say it. me yeah. that. Like yeah. that's a guy. It's really they're not transgender. They're really transvestites. They've misapplied right. the term. They've they've played word games in with reality. That's but, all they've done is played word games. Yeah. Yep. And that's and that's mm -hmm. that's a lot of the stuff, mandates, mm -hmm. all these things. These are all mm -hmm. vaccine. They're all fake words that don't apply correctly to what right. this thing is in reality. That's, it, massages, it massages yeah. the agenda through, right? It gets right, people right. to say, oh, you know, that, and, and then the mental health issues and you have to be sensitive. To, no, like God made man, God made women, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, you should go watch like the liberals of TikTok. It's like looking into uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest or something. <laughs> Like, what are you guys thinking? Gija, I don't even know where you're getting this. I don't know. Right. So anyway, I think it's like a larger propaganda assault. On, on There's a lot of threats in the United States. And this this shot was one of them. So I'm glad that you didn't Absolutely. take it. And you had the courage not to do that. Is there anything you'd like to add or anything I missed before we wrap this up? No, just I just appreciate uh, just the support that I've gotten from yourself and, and really uh, the STARS community. So STARS dot uh, us uh, two r's standing together against racism and radicalism in the services um that's actually uh the organization it's a nonprofit organization uh, a lot of it is is a bunch of uh, academy grads from the 69 73 74 era and then you know kind of on and, and they are the ones that um once i kind of disclosed what i was going through they took 
they took the lead on this and they said, Dana, we're going to support, we're going to defend you. Um, we're going to cover you. We're going to share your story. And uh, we're really going to combat, you know, our institution, institution that so many of us are so proud of for so many reasons. And so uh, I couldn't be more thankful for um, the support, not, not just, you know, introducing me to outlets like yourself and, and they're the ones that made the connection with Fox news and Newsmax and whatnot, but um, really just on a personal level. Um, I've met with a number of them for coffee or, um, you know, just sit on their back deck. I've got inv invites out in the Breckenridge and, and honestly, just to have uh, someone pat you on the back and say, we're here for you. We're standing for you. You're, you're absolutely right in what you've done. Um, and thank you for having the courage to stand against, um, you know, an agenda and the indoctrination of what's happening to our future military uh, and the institution that so many of us have given so many, uh, you know, our lives to, right. I mean, our lives, our money. Uh, and so all that time uh, invested, all mm -hmm. that skills, learning, all that stuff. It's mm -hmm. an incredible, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. uh, commitment. So they're like right. negating that over this whole thing. So 100%. Dana, where's the best place? Do you have social media or do you allow people to reach out to you or, you know, right now I'm, I'm not very active on it just because I'm trying to wait till 31 August before I kind of really dispel a lot of things, but, um, I am on social media. Um, I think I have an Instagram page. Uh, Dana, I think I'm Dana Lyon, Dana Marie Lyon, Dana Pounds Lyon. There's a couple things out there. Kind of have a personal one and a coach's one. The coach's ones because that's how you get a hold of kids when you're recruiting kids. You find them on Instagram and and honestly, you kind of make sure that they actually care about their track and field and they don't just have some inappropriate things. For me, when you're recruiting a kid, you're gonna you're gonna love them and 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 train them and spend every day with them for four years. And so I'd like to see uh, what they do outside of throwing. And uh, yeah, so I had a coach's page on Instagram and Facebook that kind of linked together. And so. Um, I'm around, uh, but you know, if you're going to go anywhere, stars is kind of how, um, at stars least my stories stars. Uh, I think there's a Facebook page again, it's stars with two R's S T A R R S. Um, and then it's stars.us is how you can find them on a search engine. Um, but yeah, so, uh, I'll, I'll be around and get out more, um, you know, and, right. and I'm looking forward to just, right. yeah, <laughs> 26 well, I'll put days. a yeah, I'll put a link days. to stars in the show notes so people can reach out to them if anybody's in the situation like you yeah, or knows awesome. somebody in the situation like you. Mm -hmm. But uh, I really yeah. appreciate you sharing your story. Thank you so much. No, thank you so much. I appreciate right, it, Mr. Ramsey. All right, take All right. care. Take care. Stay Thanks, there. Bye. Stay there. Stay there.